Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so thrilled that you came. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Turkey Eating Day. Yeah, happy birthday! Yeah, well, there's some of that, too. But who's, who's eating turkey today? Man, that's what I'm talking about. Anybody eating ham? Oh, that's unfortunate. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no one. Oh, man. Well, okay, good. Ham's in the oven. All right, anybody having turkey that wants to invite me, I'll be glad to come. <laughs> but, man, we're so glad that you came. I just, I love turkey eating day. Uh, I get my stretchy pants out and just say, have at it, man. It's Thanksgiving. You deserve this. Anybody else in the same category? No, just... Okay, you got... Everybody actually have turkey eating pants? Snow pants. It's got snow pants. <laughs> man, you can, you can pack a lot of heat in there. It's, oh, sweatpants. Oh, I thought you said snow pants. I said, oh, well, everybody's different, so that's, that's cool. <laughs> no, I just got a nice new pair of, like, the most comfy... They're, like... New line for men's um, jammies, <laughs> jammies, pajamas, and uh, they are the most comfortable thing. And I'm I'm tempted to wear them today, because that's kind of the way that my family kind of goes. It's on these kind of days they just get extremely cozy. It looks like we're a family ready to go to Walmart, like <laughs> just sweatpant the whole thing up and say, "Hey, man, here we are." Oh, wow, you guys look great. So, hey. I don't know if you're in that same category, but this is the day to eat turkey and just look like you're going to Walmart. So, and that's a, that's a good place to, that's a good place to be. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing, or we're starting, not continuing, we're starting a new series uh, today, and man, I'm excited about it, uh, because this whole theme and what God's been doing with us and what he's been revealing to us, he gave us these two words, and they are? All right, let's say it again like we know what we're talking about. Oh man, we're digging deep this morning. And this is what we're going to be doing, continuing throughout this whole year, is we are going to be focusing on digging deep in our lives. And I want to just reiterate again the reason why we're doing this. And until the Lord tells me to stop saying it, I'm, I'm going to stop. But I want to keep bringing it to our mentality, bring it back to our thinking so we know what we're doing. We're not here just to play church. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time on a Sunday morning where you wake up, you get your kids ready and break, drag your butt to church. I'm, those games are over. We want to experience the real living God. We want to see what his word has to say. We want to come change. We want to come encounter him. Anybody else in the same category? I don't want to just check this off and go, that was nice Thanksgiving Sunday. And then there's my religious duty for the day. I want this to be real. I want this to be authentic. I want this to be genuine because that's who our God is. He's real and he wants to touch you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be in your life. And so this is why we're digging deep is so we can get rid of some of the fluff. I don't know, my wife doesn't like that word, but there it is, just fluff. And nobody wants to, like I said, what I basically say, nobody wants any of this. We just want the real deal of who Jesus is. So digging deep, what we're doing is we're making sure, first of all, that our foundations are built on a solid rock. That, so when the testings and the trials of life, when they do come, because here's the promise that testings and trials are going to come your way. There will be difficult times that approach you, but we have got to make sure that our foundation is secure. And I had, you know, Gord was there yesterday uh, at our Saturday night service, and I could kind of pick on him being a home builder, saying, what's the most important part of the whole house? Mrs. Forefront. The foundation. I mean, she just caught her off guard, but that's the first thing that came to her mind was foundation. This is what we're talking about. We're digging deep to make sure Mrs. Forefront said it. This is it. That's not their actual last name. That's just the name of their company, Forefront. 
But this is what we're talking about. We have to, got to have a solid foundation so that we know that we know that we know when these testings and trials come, they're not going to wipe us out. They're not going to take us out, but we will be strong. Still when the dust settles, there you and I are still standing, shouting Jesus, proclaiming what he's done, who he is. And meanwhile, you're a testimony then going, how did... How are you doing this? How did God do that for you? Well, this is what his word says. This is what God is looking for, is people that will stand tall in the midst of adversity. Yes. Amen. What we don't need is a bunch of wimpy Christians. That's not what Jesus is paying for. That's not what he bought with. He bought his blood and he made strong men and women of God. Amen. That's who we are. We're here to occupy until he comes. That means control. So that's what we do. The second reason why we're digging deep simply means that I'm going to make myself available to God. So if he wants to reveal truth to me, that I'm going to change and align with his truth. So what we're going to be talking about today, maybe you have to make a couple adjustments in your life. And let me encourage you, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. When you hear what the word has to say, go, okay, I don't think like that. And this is the next point. Why are we also digging deep is so that we can actually start thinking like God. You know, God's design for your life was not for you to live miracle to miracle. Prayer request to prayer request. Right? And that's totally fine. I'm all for miracles. I'm all for prayer requests. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's desire for you is not that you live from one bad situation. Okay, God, fix this. To the next bad situation. Okay, God, fix this until you're out of here. God's desire for you is that you take the way that he thinks, you apply his knowledge in your life, and the result is you live a supernatural life. And this is a, you know, a quote that a, a, a pastor friend of mine had said many times, and I, I just, I like it, and I kind of adopted it as my own, but it says, we are not natural beings looking for a spiritual experience. We are supernatural beings temporarily sent here for a human existence. You're a spiritual being. That's who you are. Miracles is the norm where we come from, right? Living the supernatural life is what God desired for you rather than just going, oh God, I need you to do this. Oh God, I need you to do that. And when he comes through, I just slide back down into problems again. Okay, God, I need you to do this again. That's what Israel did. When they got caught, you know, that all of a sudden problems would come and they just had this cycle. They, when they got into problems, they turned to God, they would cry out to God, God would meet them, protect them, and they would just go into this whole cycle. They would forget about God again. And it's just this whole cycle. Maybe you're in this cycle of, man, God is so awesome, everything's going good, and all of a sudden you get distracted by other things, and what happens, you kind of forget about what he's done, now tough times come, and you're going, God, where are you? I need you. You're just, you ball, and because God is so good, he meets you where you're at, and all of a sudden you go, woohoo, everything's all great. Only only to go into the cycle again. Let's break that cycle. How? By just going to Jesus. I want him throughout my life, not just in the highlights. So that's the second reason, or the third reason, rather. Digging deep is allowing God's word to impact your thinking. So do you think like God this morning? Amen. Do you think like him concerning your finances? Do you think like God when it comes to money? That's a good question to ask yourself. How does God think about money? Well, maybe I should adapt to that, right? Rather than, oh, no, this is, this is the way that I was brought up. Maybe the way you were brought up was wrong. Ever thought about that? No, not mama and papa. They did everything right. Well, maybe there was a few things. If it's not written in the word, it may be wrong. So what does God think about healing? What does God think about mindsets? What does God think about joy? What does God think about peace? What does God think about marriage? Do you think like God when it concerns to anything in your life? employers, employees, all of that. It's all, in, it's all in here. But do you think like him concerning this? Or have we just adopted the culture that we're in? So let that be a, 
a test. That's what we're going into. So what we're doing this morning is we have made ourselves available to God and we are coachable. Say with me, I'm coachable, I'm teachable, and I'm available to change. That's just a good place to start. Anytime you're going to spend some time in God's word, just say, Lord, I'm open for change. I'm open to be coached. I'm open to be directed differently. Why? Because when, when you have that kind of heart, God's able to move you. Right? It's easier to move a, you know, a car that's already in motion rather than just a, no, I ain't moving. It's very difficult for God to get in there. Did you know that there's some people that God himself can't even help? Really? Well, look at Judas for a prime example. Couldn't, Jesus couldn't even help him. And Jesus was the best leader of all time. So it's not necessarily always the leader's fault. Are you open for change? The Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Are you open for the correction that he wants to bring? And I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm, we're open. Right? Okay, amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 15 here for a moment. I'll have these verses on the screen for you. But if you do have your Bible, I'd encourage you, look at it in your Bible. And in the New Living Translation, it says, work hard. They say, work hard. Work hard. Aw, I got to work hard. Yeah, we get to work hard. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Now, I want to just make sure that I'm mentioning a few things because this is, sounds like, well, last week when we were talking about God's approval, that you've already been approved by Christ Jesus. How many know that accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've already been approved by God? Right? So this is not talking about getting God's approval regarding your salvation is concerned. Right? What is this talking about? Your approval to be a utensil or to be a vessel that God can use fully in this day and age. This is what, this is what he's talking about. God can't just use anybody. He's looking for somebody that he can use. Now, this is, this is big. Like, God loves you. That will never change. His love for you will never change. But not every time can he use us. And this is what we're talking about, being a vessel that he can use. And so he's saying, make sure that you present yourself to God to receive his approval. He says, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and then who correctly explains the word of truth. So and this is something my dad has always said for years. He always said, if, if the word can be correctly explained, it means it can also be incorrectly explained. It can be wrongly explained. And a lot of times you see that as people got crazy ideas and thoughts on God that doesn't even line up with his character. So this is why it's so vital that you and I, we get to the word. And the Living Bible actually says it like this, the very last sentence. Uh, it says, know what his word says and know what his word means. So this is what we're doing is you and I, we are getting deep so that we know what he says and we know what he means, right? And now they'll go to verse 20. We'll just skip down a few verses. <clears throat> it says, in a well-furnished kitchen, now with just that in mind, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but there are waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers are used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage. Become, everybody say become. Become the kind of container that God can use to present any and every gift to, uh, to his guests for their blessing. So how do we get to this place where we have moved on past, yeah, we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Now the next thing he wants to do, he wants to use you in his kingdom. There's nothing better than being used by God. There's nothing better than all of a sudden being able to touch a life because you were obedient to God. And all of a sudden, their eternal destination has changed because you stood boldly for Jesus. There's nothing better than that. 
So this is what he's saying. This is what we're doing is taking the time to dig deep, to make sure that we can rightly divide the word of truth, rightly correct, correctly understand what the word says and what the word means so that we can present it to everyone clearly so that they see who our God is. This is what we're here for. And you know, in the message Bible, uh, you know, if you go back to second Timothy two, verse 14, it says, uh, you know, I better not quote it, better read it. It says, repeat the basic essentials over and over to God's people. Why do we do this? So that we can see change in our life to get a new mindset. I'm going to just read that first line to you again. It says, repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. So what are we doing? We are taking time to repeat some of these essentials that you've heard, you grew up with maybe, maybe you haven't heard it before, but we've got to get it in us so that it becomes a foundation for you and I. Okay, cool. So here we go. Are we ready? This is living. John chapter 10. Let's turn there for a moment. John 10 verse 10. Very familiar scripture, but I mean, what I want to do with this is I'm going to just take my time, go slowly through this. That okay with everybody? Because what I could do is just right away, you know, I could throw you some ideas and I could throw some, you know, here, seven steps to great faith. And this is what grace is. And this is what faith does. And activate the two and boom, you got a reaction and boom, it's all going to work. But I want to start from the very ground zero. And this is something the Lord's been doing in my life is going back to the very fundamentals of what this Christian life is, right? You don't need some, you know, magic potion out here and a new thought on this. You need the foundation of what the word says. This is where you and I build our life. And again, digging deep isn't always fun work, but it's necessary work. Because once a foundation is laid, now you can start building on it and start to seeing proper results in your life. A lot of times people are just looking for a result. A lot of times God's looking at, I need a foundation to be fixed. God, can I just get this fixed in my life and everything be okay? God will always bring you back to the foundation of who you are and what his word says. So a lot of times we're looking for a quick gimme fixy, but at the same time, what God wants to do is says, let's build a solid foundation so that you don't always have to keep looking for a result in this area. It'll just be automatic as we grow. Can we see this? All right, so don't stop learning. Don't stop going after this. This is what God is like. This is what a good dad is like. He trains his children so that they know how to live like him. Man, I think that's powerful. Okay, so John 10, 10, again, very familiar verses of scripture. You've heard this, but I bet you don't know it in the Passion Bible. All right, here it is. And the reason I like to use the Passion Bible once in a while is because simply it's not only does it take the Hebrew and the Greek, but it also takes an Aramaic text as well. So you get a full-blown picture on a lot of these words that get, you know, elevated to its original wording. So it says, the thief has only one thing in mind. Now, who is the thief? The devil. Everybody say, the devil. There is a devil out here. He is a spiritual viper. He is out here. He's an outlaw. He's allowed to be here till his time runs out. He has got one thing in mind, and what's his one thing in mind? What does he want to do? He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter. He wants to destroy. These are the three things that he works on. This is what he's doing full time. You look at the devil's resume, you see steal, kill, destroy, or steal, slaughter, destroy. This is what he's doing. This is what he's trying to do. Jesus said, but I have come, and I'm so grateful that he came, but I have come to give you Everybody say me. me. Now, what did he come to give you and me? Everything in abundance. Say that with me. Everything in 
Abundance. What is abundance? Overflow. It's lots. <laughs> For just a simple definition. It's, it's a lot. Everything in abundance. Then look at the next four words. More than you expect. Then he goes on to say, life. Everybody say life. life. What does life include? It includes your marriage. It includes your family. It includes your kids. It includes your dog, your cat, your fish. Everything. Right? Everything. <laughs> your job, your relationships, your finances, your health, your joy, your peace. Everything. Life in its fullness until you, what? Overflow. Why does he want you overflowing? Because our overflowing life is what we give from. This is actually the way that the Lord showed this to me. When you start overflowing is when ministry begins. And don't get you know ministry caught up in your head and go, okay, church work and you know, pulpit ministry. No, your life is ministry. God gave you a ministry. Wherever you are, you are preaching the gospel in some way or not. <laughs> right? You're either turning people away from God or turning people to Him. But what you're doing, everything that you give to others, everything, whether it's good or bad, is because it's an overflow. You see all the gun shootings that are happening. Why is that? It's because somebody is overflowing with evil. You play some of those sick, twisted games long enough, yeah, you get full of that. What happens? You got to over, you overflow in it. That's how it works. Right, the same thing, but that's a negative side. On a positive end, when you get so filled with the life of God, so filled of who He is, you can't help but the next person you touch, woo, overflow. And they go, whoa, that was amazing. How'd you do that? Thank you. This is the life that God wants for you and I, is the overflowing life. You look at Jesus. Why could He give the way that He could give? He lived a life completely overflowing with God. That's who He was. Now, is anybody interested in that? This is what I want for my life. So, okay, this is what Jesus came to provide for us. He provide, came to give me everything in abundance, <laughs> more than I expect. Right? Some of you have a hard time believing this because you're not seeing it. More than I expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Well, if that's the case, okay, Jesus, if you came to do that, where is it? How come I'm not seeing it in my life? Well, if you skip down a few verses, because I think if you actually look at it from the from the Western culture perspective, is we try to accumulate, okay, everything in abundance more than I expect, life in its fullness so it overflows. That means I just get more stuff. This is what I'm looking for. I need a bigger house. I need more square footage. I need a bigger car. I need more cars. I need, you know, a nice motorbike. I need some good food in my home. I need, I need, I need, I need. Thinking that success or what living is all about is accumulating more stuff. This is why anxiety is so high. People are trying to get more stuff, and when they don't got it, and somebody else got it, they go, how come I don't got it? And I'm working twice as hard. It's chaos. And Jesus came to give me a life, fulfilling life. How come I ain't seeing it? It's because we're valuing the wrong stuff. That's the bottom line. We're looking at the wrong stuff. So what does Jesus go on to say? Go down a couple of verses, guys. Verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And notice the next three words. They, go back again. They know me. So right here, the life that Jesus came to give us is all wrapped up in my shepherd knowing me and me knowing my shepherd. It's a personal, intimate relationship. You can't break away from a foundation that is solid from an intimate relationship with him. Well, I'm not seeing life in the fullness. You just told me that you don't have a relationship with your shepherd. Because your shepherd knows you. So all he's saying is, I want you to come know me. Look at Psalm 23. The very first verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It says, my. my. He's mine. It's personal. 
The Lord is mine. He ain't yours. He's mine. Right? This is talking about an intimate, personal relationship with him. I notice what he said. I have all that I need. So where is everything that I need going to be found? It's going to be found in me knowing my shepherd. What happened? What would happen if all of a sudden you got the, the houses that you were looking for? Without him, a personal relationship, it's just more stuff. And what will happen? You'll be frustrated again come a year or two. And when your flesh will go on, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. How do we stop this cycle? It's because I have my shepherd. I could live in a tiny little house and with my shepherd, I'll be okay. When compared to having a gigantic house and no shepherd that I really drew an intimate relationship with, I'd be lonely. Can you see this? Actually, if you read Proverbs, it actually talks about it's better to have a happy wife and live in a tiny bucket than to live, have a huge house with a quarrelsome wife. And you can just don't think wife, also husband, back and forth. It's what the word says. So it's so much better. We think we need more stuff. No, you need a shepherd that you know intimately. Because it says he calls me by name and he leads me out. This is what my shepherd's doing for me. I'll just, let's keep reading a couple of these verses. Psalm 23 says, He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. How does he do this? He's my shepherd. He cares about me. Verse 3 says, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. <clears throat> Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and they comfort me. Now notice this, this is all because of a, a shepherd relationship. Go ahead, guys, next, next one. You prepare a feast for me. Where? In the presence. Not when everything's okay. No, in the middle of adversity, he's preparing a feast for me. Oh, yeah, that's when everybody's talking bad about you. Everything's going wrong that you weren't expecting. In the middle of all these crazy things happening, he's preparing a feast for me and says, come and eat. It's already prepared for you. Come and eat. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Man, that was an amen from a baby. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> Verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in your house forever. This is good news. What this is telling me, when I look at this, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't care who goes in power, politically speaking. We put way too much confidence in who's going to go in, who's getting out. And we're so focused on, man, if he gets in there again, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to move to the U.S. Well, the problem with that is that you take you wherever you go. doesn't matter who's in power. You can have the best president, prime minister in the entire world. The problem may be with you. You don't have an intimate relationship with your shepherd. And you're relying on other people to be the shepherd for you. And they are lousy shepherds. Lousy. <laughs> They can't shepherd the way Jesus knows you intimately. And even for myself, this is something that we're learning. We are under shepherds under the chief shepherd. We only know in part. So the best thing that Jamie and I have spent a lot of time doing, we just pray for this church family. That's the best that we know. Lord, help us. Help this church family. We're constantly praying that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. But the chief shepherd knows you. He's interested in you. He's interested in your well-being. He cares about you. So what am I going to do? I'm going to run to this shepherd. Why? Because he knows me and he wants me to know him intimately. So how do I experience this John 10, 10 life that he's planned out for me? It's coming to know the shepherd because he knows all the ins and outs of where he wants to take you. Right? Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about our foundation. 
my foundation for living. So, you know, everybody's got a foundation. Everybody's got a root that they're living from. Maybe it's a family root. Maybe it's a, maybe a cultural root. This is the country I came from. This is the culture my family, you know, created as children. This is how I think. This is how I talk. And from every, no matter where you, where you're at, everybody is talking from their foundation. Right? Everybody is thinking from their foundation. Everybody is responding from their foundation. Right? Is that all true? But as believers now, now that we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are called to one root, one foundation that we are all going to be part of. And it's cool. You can have your, you know, your cultures and your backgrounds, and that's all part of it. But your natural, your absolute root that you and I have got to get connected to is in Ephesians chapter 317. We've got to see this for what the Word says. It says this, May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make His permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted, where? Deep. We say deep. deep. So this ain't shallow. Deep in love and founded securely on love. So where is the root as a believer? Where's my root? Love. This has got to be my root. So that every time I open up my mouth, what's coming out? Every time I'm responding to a situation, what's my response? Every time that I'm thinking, every thought that I have towards anybody is the thought of love. This is the root. This is the very foundation of where you and I are. And the reason why, there's a few reasons why God wants us rooted. Number one is so that all fear is completely gone. Because this is the only root that wipes out fear. I asked this question last night. I'm asking, is anybody here, you know, dealing with some fear in their life? All right, four people. The rest of you, I think you're just, you're supernatural. You got this already. But for those of us that have any kind of fear, any kind of fear, whether it's financially, whether it's your kids, whether it's, you know, future, blah, blah, blah. It could be anything. If there is any sort of fear in your or my life, it's a result of you and I not being perfected in this love. That's it. So the good news is, let's dig deep in it. Let's just get so ingrained in this love that love or fear is completely gone. It's not even a question anymore. Can you see this? This is exciting stuff. Fear is gone. Completely gone. How? There's only one way to cast out all fear, and it's being perfected in this love. We're knowing that God loves me. This is the root that you and I are to be part of. Now, let me just give you a couple definitions real quick. The word deep. So it says he is to be rooted deep in love. And the word deep, it means to extend far down from the top or from the surface. And it means to be very intense and extreme. <laughs> this is what he wants you and I to be deeply rooted in. Then the word securely, it means to be fixed and in a, in a stable manner. Now that would just be helpful to a lot of people. It's just looking for some stability in my life. Rather than constantly up and down, I want to be stable. Anybody want to be stable? Ah, a stable life. What does that come from? Being rooted and, and founded securely on this love. That I'm, 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 I'm able to be stable. It says to be or become safe and to have security. So the question I want to ask you is, what are you currently rooted in? Think about it. What, what is it for you? Some people may be rooted. I'll just give a couple examples. <clears throat> well, before I give a couple examples, where do you run to when tragedy hits? What's feeding your heart on a regular basis? What do you feed it? What do you feed your heart? 
on a regular basis. And these are a couple examples. You know, some people are rooted in a position at work or a position that they have among society. Some people are rooted in men's approval. Some people are rooted in the amount of money that's in the bank. Some people are rooted in their education. Some people are rooted in social media on how many likes or dislikes they get. Some people are rooted in being popular. All of these things are certain roots that you and I are in. And what happens if you don't get the like that you're looking for? What happens when all of a sudden the education that you went for 15 years for ain't going to work in the job that you're a part of now? This is what I trained for and I didn't get the job. What happens to you when you're rooted all of a sudden in men's approval? This is a big one for me where all of a sudden I'm fine if everybody's approval of me is a-okay. Everybody's happy. Everybody just likes Joel. Oh, I really like when everybody likes Joel. Anybody else in this category with me? You just care what other people think about you. This is a big one that the Lord's trying to reroute me out of. And where's he trying to properly put me? His love. Because at some point or another, there is going to be somebody who doesn't like me. I know, impossible. I don't understand it either. <laughs> but <laughs> at some point, somebody is not going to like me. I've already had a few of those. And what do I do? Somebody actually told me that tight, tight pant preacher. I was going to say, these thunder thighs are, I worked hard for these thunder thighs, I'll thank you very much. It's not my fault that they're tight. This is the way they make them. You go to H&M, what are you going to find? What am I going to wear, loose pants? What am I, in the, in the 2004s? I ain't done with that, man. It may be loose again in a few years, right? But till then, hey, the tight pan preacher belongs to you, all right? This is how we're, this is how we're going. This is what we're doing. <laughs> Anybody else wearing tight pants this morning? That would just, you know. My cousin Annie, awesome. That's a good, that's a great start. <laughs> any other females wearing tight pants today? Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, what's up? Uh, any men in the house that dare to admit that they're wearing tight pants this morning? All right, that's what I'm, thank you. One, two. <laughs> oh, slim. Slim. <laughs> oh, okay, right, right. That's a little too tight. But people will just say stuff. Like, this is a big one for me, is because what happens now when people don't like tight pant preacher Joel? <laughs> Listen, you don't know some of the comments that I've been getting. Oh man, and just just stuff, right? I didn't realize that when you start putting stuff out on podcasts and online, people start talking. Oh Jesus, why are you so angry? Like, wow. Okay, so my, actually, here's one of the things that I do quite often is when somebody you know says something kind of snarky, I just write out my reply, and it's real good. I mean, I, I get in there real good. And then I just look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's good. And then I erase it. <laughs> I'm good with words. I can put some stuff together when I really think it through. I, I can do some word stuff. But what happens all of a sudden when they go, hey, I don't like your tight pants? Oh, well, why not? Well, what do you want me to wear? Actually, I was just going to tell you my response to that, actually. Well, if, sir, if you'd be so kind to buy me a pair of pants, I'd greatly accept it. That was my response. Here's the church's address. Just mail it to me. I don't want to see you. Just mail it to me. So if you're watching, sir, 5833 53rd Avenue, send them my way, man. They'll be, I'll gladly, ah, 3632 on a good day. But, <laughs> but if I didn't eat breakfast, then 3432 would be just fine. 
The reason 32 is because you can't, you don't want them going past your heels. My mama always told me, don't step on your pant leg because you're going to get holes in them. And so they always have to be rolled up a bunch. And I'm not, we live in Alberta. There's no floods here. Like this is pretty hard to get anything going on. Anyways, there you are for online folk. That's, that's where it is. But if you still want to bring me some pants, I'll be greatly appreciated. <laughs> or another one that you hear from older generation, why do you got those holes in your pants? <laughs> These are more expensive than the ones that have no holes. I think I'm just letting loose a little bit here. I, I'm okay. I'm getting rerooted. <laughs> the problem has been, man, you've been so rooted in what people think. And so I just, I honestly believe, you know, when we had our transition service, this was a couple of years ago, the Lord told us what to wear. What? Say what? Yeah. And so like on purpose, like I wore holes in my jeans. Really? Is that, that's, man, that's so, yeah. You know, I found out that God can anoint holy jeans. <laughs> Anyways. So what's happening? I'm getting rerooted. <laughs> Not R-U-T-E-D. Rerooted in the sense of I'm coming out for myself out of this root of people pleasing because that root where I'm founded on will eventually crumble when somebody disapproves me. And so where do I fall back on is I'm constantly now looking for the approval of people that they not, they're not even supposed to be giving it to me. It's not their job to give me the approval. I'm, so I'm putting an unfair expectation on people to say, like me, please, I'll do whatever you want. And getting out of that and now being completely and securely fastened on God loves me. What happens? I don't care what anybody says. But what if it happens if you're rooted in your education? What happens when all that gets shaken up? Oh, not, not what am I going to do with my life? And I've talked with people that have absolutely no idea where they're going because their education is not being used. So where are they? They've lost and confused is because they're not securely founded on God loves me. All of a sudden, what happens when I'm secure and how much money is in the bank? What happens when that all goes? All of a sudden, these unexpected bills come up, and all of a sudden, you have this safety net of about 5000 in your account is all of a sudden have to be chipped away, and all of a sudden, your savings is going gone. Oh, now you start freaking out. Where can I get more hours? And you start this panic attack. And look at this right off here. You're operating in fear. Instead of looking and being based on that, I'm going to be now looking at God loves me. And because he loves me, I know this without a shadow of a doubt, I cannot ever go broke. Well, how can you say that? It's because I'm going to be rooted now in God loves me. This was a big deal. When we took on this church, I was actually a little bit nervous about failing. Just messing this whole thing up. Well, I had to get out of that. God said, no, I love you. The result of him loving me, I won't fail. Can you, can you see this? This is supposed to be freeing for some of y'all. This is supposed to change the way that you and I live our lives. Well, what happens all of a sudden when, you know, my education, my kids are off doing this. God loves me. Man, I can't be rooted. I can't be rooted and grounded in my love for my children or their love for me. Because what happens one day when Jace, Max, and London move out? Now what? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I have another baby. That's... <laughs> You're just wrecking my part, Jillian. But yeah. <laughs> really, if I stop wearing these tight pants, I'm sure we could have another baby. But 
You don't need vasectomies. You just need tight jeans. That just, that's it, man. <laughs> oh, lighten up. It's all good. <laughs> but what happens when they all move out? <laughs> what am I going to be rooted in? What am I going to be grounded in? What's my security? What am I securely fastened to? God loves me. He's not done with me yet. He's not finished with me. <laughs> All right, let's continue reading this. I'm trying to bring it back in. Bring it back in. Uh, yeah. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. And then he's going to lay out a few reasons why. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend to grasp with all of the saints, all of the Christians, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth, length, depth, and height of it. This is what he wants you and I to tell. We, when we get rooted in it, it absolutely just absorbs us. You can't run far enough. You can't jump high enough. You can't go deep enough because the love of God will always out further you. This is what he wants you and I to be in, that all of a sudden you're swimming in love and you're like, I can't get out, I can't get out. That's what he wants for you. That you know that God loves me. He loves me. I know this is the most simple words, and I think it's the kind of one that we've kind of just flippantly thrown out there without realizing it. I'm sitting here today, I'm standing on this pulpit today simply because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We ain't going to hell. Why? Because God loved us. Woo! That's good news. So we got to make a big deal about this love because this is the love not only that saved me, but it's also the same love that I'm supposed to be rooted and grounded in. Look at verse 19. He says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ. He wants you to experience it for yourself. This love, it's experiential love. It's not just knowledge love. It's just experimental. Test it out. Experience it. Feel it. Right? Look, it says, far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That's you. This is what the whole purpose of you being filled with the love of God for. That you may be filled through all of your being unto all the fullness of God. He says, may you have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and what? Flooded with God himself. How can I get flooded with God? It's not by praying more. Where do I got to get rooted? You can pray and be rooted in the wrong spot. But when I get rooted in his love, knowing that God loves me, man, now my prayer starts to change things. Because I'm knowledgeable of who I am, where I stand. God loves me and God listens to every prayer that I say. Why? Because he loves me. He cares about me. This is the foundation. This is the rock that I build my life on. Anything else will not work. This is vital for you and I. Even Jesus himself had to constantly remind himself of the Father's love for him. I'll show you this, just I don't have it on the screen, but John chapter 10. I was just thinking about this last night. John chapter 10, this is, you know, right after Jesus, of course, talks about him being a good shepherd. And then at the very end of it, I mean, of course, Jesus starts talking to the, the Pharisees and giving them the what's up speech. And, you know, Jesus really talks straight with them. Like, you brood of vipers, you snakes, you hypocrites. Jesus hated religion. Why? For the, the, the two lifestyle that you live. All right, I'm one way up here, but down here I'm just a complete jerk. He hated that. So Jesus talked, he talked towards that and ex exposed the reality of what it was. Um, and so after he's done saying all this in verse 39, John 10, 39, it said, once again, and notice once again, meaning they've tried this before. Once again, they tried to arrest Jesus, but he got away and left them. This is the way that this guy lived. We kind of think Jesus is this cute guy who just walked around. They constantly wanted to arrest this man. 
that's a guy I like to hang around with a little bit, right? You know, just, you know, get, get like in the good way, like, you know, get angry at the right people. <laughs> and then look at verse 40. Where did Jesus go after they just tried to, try to arrest him? Other translations talk about them trying to stone him. Verse 40, he went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and he stayed there a while. Now we all know, you know, in the beginning of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 1 and different things, Jesus, when he appeared before John, what did John do, John the Baptist do? He baptized Jesus in the water. What happens when Jesus came out of the water? The Holy Spirit came down and what voice came from heaven? What did God say? This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. So right after Jesus was about to get arrested, he went and departed and he went back and he stayed in the place where John baptized him. Why do you think he did that? He was remembering what the Father had talked to him about. What was he doing? Other translations talk about Jesus abode there for a few days. What is he doing? He's reminding himself again of what the Father said to him on that day. This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. Because listen, at this time, Jesus is losing disciples by the droves. <laughs> he's sharing things. He's talking the word to them. He gave that speech or you know that sermon not too long ago, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Everybody, except for the twelve, left him. That's a lot of people. There were thousands of people there. He had 70, you know, he had his close disciples, the 12 disciples. Then he had 70 disciples. And after that, they all deserted and they left him. So for Jesus, just think how that would be for you. You know, close people around you that believed in what you were doing, believe the messages you're sharing. All of a sudden you share a message from God and all of a sudden it goes, it goes against the grain. It goes against what they were taught, against how they're feeling. What happens? They all left him. So what did Jesus do? He went after all this. Now wanting to get arrested again, he went back to the same place where the Father affirmed him and said, you are my well-beloved son and you I'm well pleased. This was his root. He went back to this root. I don't care what anybody says. This is who I am. I am what? Loved by my Father. This is our root. Where do you run to when all of a sudden the bank account says zero? Father, I got to run to my root. You love me. You are not going to relax your hold on me. You're not going to let me go. Father, what do I do? So from this place of, ah, of resting in his love, he leads me. He doesn't reveal, he doesn't show me things in the root of panic or in the root of fear or in rooted in what other people think. He wants me to get rooted in his love so he can direct and show me things. This is vital for you and I because right here, this groundwork, we can talk about faith, absolutely. But if you are not rooted and grounded in love, faith to you will eventually be a work. You're going to start working to try to get something from God. You're going to start, you know, okay, God, I know you said this in your word, but how do I sing this in your life? Rest in his love for you and I. This is the absolute work that you and I are supposed to be fighting for is right here. God loves me. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. God loves me, period. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Look at this. John chapter 15, verse 9. I'm almost done here. In the Amplified or the Passion Bible, Jesus said this, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Do you believe that? Now notice, you have to choose. Here's the thing what I, about faith. People complicate faith so much, but you know what faith is? Faith is simply a choice that you and I choose to believe something or not. 
Do you know atheists and all that kind of stuff that's out there? Do you know what they do? They choose to believe something else. Do you know what Darwinism is? Do you know what evolution is? It's all theories. There's absolutely zero proof that that stuff is actually even real. You know what they do? They go to the point and say, I choose to believe that over this. That's all that it is. So what is faith? Faith, you can't just say, oh, I don't know if I can believe that. That's actually an untrue statement. You choose not to believe it. Faith is simply saying, I'm choosing to believe this. That's what faith is. Right here, the word Jesus said, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. When I see these statements, I got to go, stop, Joel. I choose to believe this. And it's not based on my actions. It's not based on how bad I've get or how good I've been doing. He loves me because simply I'm Joel. <laughs> Tight pants and all. <laughs> but then look at the very last part. He says, you must. Everybody say must. This isn't a suggestion. This is a command for you and I. And if you read John chapter 15, nowhere in here do you see the successful life is on how much you love God. Nowhere in the Bible do you find that. We love him because he first loved us. He says you must continually. Everybody say continually. That means day in, day out. This is a day-to-day -day thing. This is an hour-to-hour -hour thing. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. You have to. You got to do this. This is what you and I are fighting for. Because everything out here will try to pull you away from that love. And especially religion is really good at pulling you away from that. You are real something else. You did this and you did that. Hey, you ain't no good for God. Yes, none of us were good for God. But Jesus, that's why he came for us. And that's why he said, the same love that I love you, the Father loves you as well. Man, this is good news. This is the gospel. But he says, let your hearts continually be nourished by my love. The Message Bible says, let you, or make yourselves at home in my love. This is where we live. I make myself at home. What do you do when you get home besides dress like Walmart? <laughs> Why do you do that? Like if somebody were to invite me to their house, I ain't going to be coming in sweatpants. I'm coming in tight jeans. <laughs> but why do I not show up in sweatpants? When I come to somebody else's home, because it's not my home. I'm not going to make myself out. And geez, oh, there we go. I'm all good. When I get to my house, oh man, I lounge. Oh, this is good. Why? I'll make myself at home. Well, this is what God is saying to you and I. Make yourself at home in my love. I love you. So what I basically look at that going, I need to make my entire life a living place where I'm just resting in his love for me. Oh, when I go to the airport, you know, everybody's panicking. Ah, he loves me. It, it, this changes everything. It, it absolutely changes everything. You know, when people get in, this is a cool thing that Jamie and I had. We went to Maui, this is a few years ago. And all of a sudden there was a big hiccup at the airline. There was a few problems that were going on. They probably overbooked or something like that. And uh, so we were waiting for probably a good 45 to an hour, just sitting there looking to see if they had a spot for us on the plane. And, you know, the, the ladies that were the counter, they were just, oh, we're so sorry about this. And, oh, yeah, no, no problem. Jamie and I were just joking. We were, like, just laughing and, you know, making fun and doing things like that. But we had this other lady looking at us and going, how come you guys are so calm? Like, what's, what, what's, what's going on? Why, why are, we're like, oh, we're, we're okay. I mean, we just, we had 10 days of Maui. Check out the tan I got, man. I'm, I'm great. I'm fine. What happens if the plane gets delayed? Oh, I got to stay here another day. <laughs> Shoot, it's snowing in Red Deer, but hey, I guess I can. It, but you can see people are just, it's, it's uncommon in this world. <laughs> so what do we do? We continue with this. His love nourished my heart. All right. 
Uh, for time's sake, let's just go First John 4, and then I'm finishing up with these uh, verses here. But how do I get rooted in the God kind of love? It's, there's only one way to do this, but it's time spent thinking on his love for me. And I'll give you a couple of verses for you just to meditate on this week. John 16, verse 27, and John 17, 23. It says, the Father himself tenderly loves you. The Father himself loves you. And then John 17, 23, Jesus is talking. He's praying to God about his disciples. And he said, the same love with which you love me, he's, this is Jesus praying to the Father, you also love them. So this is part of my confession. God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And is there anything that God wouldn't do for Jesus? Think about it. Is there anything that God wouldn't do for Jesus? I'm talking about right now. What happened all of a sudden Jesus is asking the Father for something? Do you think God's going to go, nah, I don't know, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't really need to do that. What do you think that Jesus' answer is from the Father? It's yes. Now, how about you? Do you see yourself as loved by God as Jesus is? No? Well, then this is a good place to start. Yeah. Right here. Start seeing yourself. I mean, we can sing all these songs. I'm going to get a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Yeah, see it then. Like, it's great to sing all this stuff, but do you see that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Like, what, we're just hoping that something happens. No, you got to see it. I see me and Jesus standing side by side, by side and the Father, both arms stretched out and go, my boys, come on in. There's no difference. When I see Jason Max, I'm not going, okay, I like Max a little bit more than Jason. So I'm going to just, hold on a sec, Jason. I'm going to just give Max some time first because I care about him. Are you kidding me? Boys, bring it in. This is how he views you. It's not, okay, I'll get to you second. God doesn't have favorites. Me and Jesus are on equal terms. Hello. Me and Jesus are on equal terms. How can you say that? Because he brought me there. <laughs> he did it. I didn't do nothing to deserve it. He did it for me. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Is this helpful to anyone? Okay. Or are some of you just still thinking that, yeah, he's got tight pants on? Because I apologize if that kind of, if that, okay, you got past that. That's good. 1 John chapter 4, and let's look here real quickly. Verse 16, we're going to read just three verses. But this is where we want to get to, and this is where we're going to go into next week as well. But we know, I'm going to say, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. It is not enough for you just to know God loves you. Now I'm putting my trust in his love for me. The devil believes there's a God, and it doesn't benefit him any. <laughs> I believe God, but I just, I trust him as well. I know the love that God has for me, and I put my trust in his love. So when God tells me to step out, hey, Joel, step out, buy these two properties. <clears throat> okay. I know I can't fail because he loves me. What happens when God tells you to do something that's uncomfortable? He loves me. When you're rooted in this love, you will step out. It's taken people years to step out. Why? Because they don't know that God loves them. Well, what happens if I fail? What happens if you succeed? <laughs> We're looking at it the wrong way. God loves me. I cannot fail. Did you know everything I do prospers? My marriage prospers. Why? Because God loves me. My kids are not going to be running off and doing crazy things in the world. Why? God loves me. 
So rather than fear-based parenting, I'm in confident expectation parenting. Why? It's all based on where I'm rooted. It's a completely different way of living, but this is where you and I are called to live. That was verse, well, verse 16. He says, God is love. And when you see the word is, that means it's a present reality. It's not past tense. God is love today. He is love tomorrow. That's who he is. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And we are confident of this. this because just as he is, so are we in this world. Woo! That's good news. I'm loved by God. Everywhere I go, I have favor that goes around me. Why? Because God loves me. Everywhere I go, I'm a magnet for blessings. Why? God loves me. I get favor in Walmart. Why? Because God loves me. Can you see this? This is the root. This is where I live my life. This is where I speak from. This is where I think from. This is where I talk from. It's from this place. And this is how we get to the place of where it's called the spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. You can't just muster it up and go, okay, I'm going to believe this, I'm going to believe that. No, I'm rooted in love. And because I'm rooted, now I can speak by faith boldly because I know God loves me. You can't be in faith without knowing that God loves you. It's impossible. The Bible says faith works. How? Oh, somebody. There's three people that said something. Faith works how? By love. What kind of love? I always thought it was depending on my love towards other people. That is not what the scripture is saying. What that does is actually becomes a religious work. My faith works based on me knowing how much my God loves me. This is where it all is. This is the very root of this whole thing. It all, you receiving from God depends on this. You experiencing deliverance and total freedom depends on you being rooted and grounded and knowing that God loves me. It all rests right here. <laughs> Think about it. You're one root away. Stop thinking, it's okay, I just need God to do something for me. No, I need to make a shift. i got to get in this place of knowing that God loves me. He's got me. Verse 18, such love has no fear. What kind of love? The God kind of love for me. There is no fear because what? Perfect love expels, it casts out how much? All fear. Somebody say all. Your scared days are over when you get in this. Oh, the economy this, and prime minister did that, and, you know, premier did this. Forget about it. I'm rooted in love, and this love casts out all fear. I'm sweating more than you're sweating, so I hope you get, you're getting this. It casts it out. You can't, oh, God, just get rid of this fear, just get rid of this fear. Fear, you get out of here in Jesus' name. How I many of you tried doing that before? I've tried that. How's that working out for you? Not too hot. Why? It's because i am got to get rooted properly. Gotta get in this route. God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. I'm going to convince myself. I'm going to totally change the way that I think. So everything I come from is from this route. He loves me. Why? If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if you're dealing with fear, I don't care if it's the smallest thing or the biggest thing, the cure for it is getting rooted and grounded in the love that God has for you. Oh, can you see this is liberating? This is good news for you and I. And what is even cooler is God's already laid the whole thing out for us. What am I, what's my next thing in my life? What's my next step? Get rooted and grounded in the love of God for yourself. And when you get knowing that God loves you, your next step will be clear to you. It absolutely will. Why? Because I'm rooted properly. God can't speak to me in fear. He doesn't speak fear. 
Hey, baby, I know you're freaking out. And just, just calm down. I, I, let, me, let me comfort you. This is how we think God is. Can I just show you this for a quick sec? And then, sweetie, you can come on up and interrupt me. I'm done. But a lot of time we think, okay, you know, I'm just not sure what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if I'm going to see this happen in my life. I'm, I'm not sure if this prayer is going to ever come to pass. And we expect God to come down to us and go, oh, baby, it's okay. You know, I, I, I love you. I, I care about you. Everything's going to be just fine, just fine. We want God just to pamper us. There, there, there. Realizing he's already told us, get out of that root of fear. Get out of it because it ain't working. There's fear. There's torment in it. Get out and get rooted in my love for you. And I can be able to speak for you directional wise. This is what I can show you. This is what I say. This is where I'm leading. This is what he wants you and I to do is to get rooted in the love of God for us. Yeah. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.